The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, offering insights, wisdom, and counsel from the most respected CEOs. Here is the host of the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Uh, today, we have with us is Barney McCauley. He is a managing director with Edge Really Partners based in Dallas. Barney, thank you for being here with us. It's my pleasure, John. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Now, listen, it's so great to have you. Barney, when I met you, you actually were a client of mine. That's how we originally met. And when I got to know you, the context of always, I've always thought of you as this guy who's this expert on mall turnarounds, which is a huge, complicated, big thing. And then I also would put in there, you know, power center, town center turnarounds. Like, that's the project and the content I was thinking of you as the, the best expert I know nationally in this. So, uh, with that in mind, Barney, talk to us about what's going on with malls in America today. Thank you for your kind words, John. It's so generous of you. Um, we have a sort of a lack of liquidity in the marketplace, and uh, interest rates are have gone up very fast, and that has made and then the demand for office space has dropped. Why this is important for retail and malls is that investors are not looking at office. And they're very concerned about investments in industrial and multifamily. So retail has gotten much more popular in the last six months or so. It had retail has survived the Amazon onslaught and it has survived the pandemic. So investors are coming around to thinking that it might be a good place to put their money when the other property classes are so uh, shaky right now. And when you're looking for bigger returns in real estate, you look towards mall. Now, if we look at the big mall universe, there's approximately 1,100 malls in America, and 700 of them are going to be something else. They're going to be retail and shopping. They're going to be distribution centers. They're going to be medical centers. They're going to be educational centers. And these, and so what we're trying to do is help the malls with this transition. And malls are really important. They are often the largest taxpayer in their community, and cities are always short of money. And then, two, they are the lens which these communities are viewed. If you're a small, we're working with a community of 16,000 people and they've got a million square foot mall and the mall is struggling and the whole region now views this mall this community through the lens of this struggling mall and businesses are not as likely to go there people are not as likely to buy homes is if you have this image of a struggling mall representing the community so that's what we see so what we try to do what we've done is try to help these malls transition and reimagine them and try to provide assistance in their transformation. And that has to be done or other the mall's just going to be sort of this sinkhole, drawing down funds and jobs 
for the community. Does all that make sense, John? You know, I'm tracking you really well. It, what it reminds me of is there was an old Saturday Night Live skit during the Great Recession. Uh, I think it was Kenan Thompson did this character. And they put the camera on him and taught him about how bad things were. And he would just look at the camera and scream, fix it! Just fix it! You know? And I, I sort of felt his pain. And he was sort of coming from, um, as an artist, like he doesn't know, like, how does this stop having and fix it? And so, Marnie, like, I meet people and, and they'll talk about their community and they'll say, you know, gosh, how do we fix this mall? You know, Orlando Fashion Square Mall is walking distance, you know, from my home. And I've had people say to me, John, like, fix it. And when I hear you talking, it's like, you know, it, it's the complexity of it, right? Like, you know, it's not simply that you can just go fix it. It's got, you know, the, the anchors issues and then government issues, all these kind of, kind of things come together. I remember it was almost two years ago that the owner of the mall said that um, there would be bulldozers knocking all the buildings down and redeveloping it. It's been two years and, and they're still there. So there's this desire to fix it, but Barney, it's complicated, right? Yes. And what we try to do is help people see the vision. We don't, you can sell the mall as it sits and with its existing rent roll and NOI, but you're going to get very undesirable results. You're going to get buyers that just focus on the income stream and not the stakeholders. So we bring in a team of uh, architects and attorneys, economists, and other people that can bring their skill sets to reimagining the mall. Each mall is different. None of them have the same solution, and that frustrates a lot of people, but there's no simple program. So once we and we also engage all the stakeholders, the anchor tenants, the community, the municipality, the adjoining hospitals, the adjoining educational institutes. They all have an input on what needs to be done with these malls. Once we get this program put together, we present to the marketplace, and we're able to triple the sales price of the mall and get a better results for the community than if we just sold the mall as a sat. So we're selling the dream, John. We're not selling what's in place. And uh, it's challenging, but incredibly rewarding. So you're, you can see years ago, years ahead, what the community will benefit from. So, so there's a scenario that somebody comes to you and they're like, uh, hey, this thing's a disaster. Can you just uh, you know, sell it? And it sounds like in that scenario, then you're still creating the vision and whatever, because that's going to help get the best price in that scenario. So that's one scenario. The other scenario is you get a call and they're like, hey, I you know, inherited this small, maybe it's a, it's a lender or something in the situation. And they're like, I want to fix it, right? I, I, in myself, trying to get it to a better place. And it sounds like in that scenario, it's, it's not one size fits all, right? So it's going to be dictated towards that market, what, what, if it's medical or educational. So those are your two scenarios. In in the second scenario, when you get the call, what's the first thing you look at that gets your brain kind of thinking about where the small money goes? You, do you do you fly into town and then you walk the property? You look at the rent wall first. What what's the first thing in Barney's brain to help him get him his his mind around the entire situation? Usually, it's a tour of the property, the community, get a cup of coffee at the local Dunkin' Donuts, see what that shopper profile is. And then the second thing is a meeting with the city. 
to see how well they understand the situation they have, what they're able to contribute, what their flexibility is. And um, sometimes you meet with cities and it's pretty apparent that there's not going to be a good solution for a long time. Gotcha. Because they... Because it's it's complicated, right? Yeah, it's complicated, but some cities want, you know, to bring back Pottery Barn and Nike Kids and things like that. And because they are such in dire financial straits, they need that income stream and they can't accept that the mall may not be able to generate and they may have to contribute funds to help the mall revitalize. Gotcha. Gotcha. We're going to have to take a, a quick break. Barney, in those situations, somebody will ask me, well, how, how did they mean to go? What are they looking for? And then my response is a time machine. That's what they want is a time machine. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have one of those yet. So I hear you. So Barney, really insightful information on how we're looking at malls and your process, which is really, really cool. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, I mean, right back with Barney McCauley, uh, the mall expert on the next phase of, of our home mall industry. We'll be right back. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. Once again, here's John Crossman. And we are back. It's John Crossman with Barney McCauley, who was just giving us all this insight about malls and how he use them and the complications with them. It sounds like it's a real big uh, conversation of like, what's the demographic and then local government. Like, man, that's two things going to work together. Uh, I want to switch gears and for this, our, our, our next segment and talk a little bit more about uh, leadership. And, and Barney, you know that I, I my oldest daughter is a, a theater major. So we, we have a lot of musical theater in our, t- our household we talk about. And one of those musicals gets talked about a lot is Hamilton. And there's a famous song in the music Hamilton about uh, the room where it happened. Uh, I wasn't in the room where it happened. And you have had a long career of you've been in the room where it happened. You're very senior level, a lot of big time contacts. And so you, you have insight on how big decisions get made and how people get into these big rooms. So there's younger people listening to this. There's college students who are thinking, gosh, I want to be a big time player in the real estate industry. How do I get into the room where it happened? So what is your advice for young professionals, young people in this industry on the, the traits and characteristics that they need to develop so that they can become big time CEOs? What are your thoughts there? You know, my father used to always tell me that we are given two, blessed with two ears and one mouth and to use them in the appropriate ratio. And that is very true. You know, there's always a lot to learn. And if you come at people with a humble mindset and you really listen to them about what they have to say and what they believe, you will just get 
so much further along. Um, understanding that your network is your net worth. John does not drink. He does not play golf. But he has the largest real estate network you could possibly imagine. So the approach to building your network can be very, very different than the standard white male dominated real estate industry approach. So I would say listening, building a network, being open-minded, and always, as John has done, is being willing to take the risks to, uh, to get to that next step in your career. So I, I agree with all that. I want to add two things, and this is my own personal story in respo- response to that. The first one is, is the need to be coachable. And I'm going to give an example. Um, you said to me one time years ago, you were like, hey, John, you're the super calm guy. But every once in a while, a subject comes up and you get angry, but then you get like too angry. Like, man, it's okay to be mad about that. You're too mad. And you called me out. And um, you specifically called me about a, about, a, about a real estate company. And since you did that, I, I went to some therapy and kind of worked it out. And now I have a great relationship with that exact same company that used to tell me I got too angry about. It, recently, you told me privately I was being too nice to them. So I have to calibrate a little bit better. Um, but there is a, a point of having relationships where um, you're welcoming people to coach you. And so part of it is you having the strength to, to call me out and the other part is me having, you know, the humility to, to receive your coaching. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, coachability is, is so important. And it's so refreshing when you're a leader to see someone that is just, you know, ready to drink out of a fire hose and just listen and, and take it going forward. But, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic and the industry is change over the last 20 years, and it's changing more rapidly after the pandemic. And we all have to look out for each other's mental health. The pandemic was really devastating to a lot of people's mental health, and um, it affected different people differently. And we have to be aware of that, and we have to look for the signs. John, you're a tremendous support for me when I'm not in a good place and I'm not right. I always feel like I can call you and bounce things off you. And if you don't have the answer, you have really good insight. So I, uh, I think it's coachability and that rolls into sort of being conscious of people's mental health. When I went through my uh, major life issue of clinical depression and the result of it, well, and it was awful, by the way, I mean, if no one, if some people are listening, haven't experienced it, I'm always telling them like, please don't judge people who get in a bad place and end up committing suicide. I'm of course, I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that if you've not been in a a deep, dark place, it's hard to understand what it's like. When I came out of that and I was um, on Klonopin and Zola for a year and the the treatment of a psychiatrist and a therapist and all that, I told nobody in our industry. I mean, nobody, (laughs) you know, I started telling friends, you know, from church and stuff like that. And even when I told them, I would feel a lot of shame about it. It took me a long time. One of the first people I told to about it in a professional setting was you. You're one of the first people I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm dealing with this. And then beyond that, I had some family members with some serious health issues. And so it took some time before I was able to get the courage. And then, as you would say, kind of start living in the light. 
And uh, for people who are listening to this, you know, Barney and I actually have a scheduled weekly call. And our weekly call consists of two main things. We talk about deals that we're each working on. And then we check in with our mental health. Barney asked me, John, how's your mental health? And sometimes Barney asked me twice. You know, sometimes he'll say it and I'll say something vague like, oh, it's pretty good. And then he'll say the exact same question again. And then we kind of just bounce these things off. And maybe it's encouraging, you know, go for a swim, walk the dog. You know, it's nothing too crazy. It's life, but it's living in the light and exchanging those, those ideas. And so, Barney, if somebody's listening to this and they're, they're an up-and-comer and they're like, Barney, I hear you talking about mental health and, and things I do about it, but what does that mean in a practical sense for a broker? Um, you know, somebody says, well, my mental health is I, you know, I go and have eight beers. Is, is that it? Or what is it that's the right thing to help them process what they're dealing with? When I started real estate 40 years ago, that was the approach to mental health. Let's go to the bar and not deal with it. But it's, it's something that led to a, a lot of alcoholism in our industry and a, a lot of divorces in our industry. So that clearly is not the approach we need to take today. Um, it could be a counselor. It could be exercise. It could be slowing down your drinking. It could be just a friend like John that will give you the insight and the support that you need. and. John and I are very blessed. Privilege would be a word that we have our friendship and uh, and can work on that. But it, you will be surprised at how accepting people are because we all have our struggles. You know, everybody has their cross to bear, and so don't think that you're alone. Reach out to people around you. It's uh, one of the most powerful things you can say to somebody is "me too," right? Like. If somebody says, hey, I'm struggling with this, and you're like, man, me, me too. I'm struggling with that as well. And, you know, it, it helps to live a deeper life because it creates it creates a level of healthy intimacy, right? Like that we're struggling with some of the kind of same things and then helping each other uh, uh, develop practical solutions, right? Sometimes that's just talking out an issue with each other. Absolutely. Uh, well, Barney, I am uh, so thankful for you doing, and I, I, I want to make sure I say this as well. Um <laughs> I have been talking about diversity in commercial real estate now for, I think, 20 years. Uh, you know, sometimes it's been a little bit more um, in vogue in the last couple of years, but I've been talking about it for a long time. And there have been a handful of people who have been really pushing really hard. And uh, you're one of those guys. So thank you. Thank you so much for always being somebody who's been an advocate. Um, you've, you've done real stuff at investing personally with your own resources to help out with uh, diversity in our industry. And I just want to make sure to say thank you for all you've done in that space. You're welcome, John. I'm just trying to follow in your very big footprints. Ah, go on. Well, listen, Barney McCauley, managing director, Edge Realty Partners based in Dallas, uh, the mall expert, and also a guy with a lot of wisdom encouraging us to be uh, doing good things for the industry and being aware of our own issues that we need to address ourselves. So Barney, thanks for being my friend and being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me beyond here, John. You do so much with diversity in real estate, mental health, and, and mentoring people, as well as building a very successful real estate company. We met, we have this relationship because you did such a fine job on a shopping center that we owned. So continue trying to do it all, John, but don't be too hard on yourself. I appreciate that, brother. And I, I will look forward to our next 
therapy session. So thank you so much. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with uh, a final word here on the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Once again, here's John Crossman. All right, we're back for the final word here. Yeah, Mike, Barney provided so much wisdom, and it was in two segments, right? Two segments. The first one, you know, he said that there's 1,100 malls in America, and 700 do not need to be malls anymore, right? Isn't that funny? Isn't that amazing? You think about that context. And then when he started talking about, like, you know, the vision, either either you have this dilapidated mall, and you got to think about selling it, and he's advocating don't fire sale it, but create a vision and a plan, and then get the best value. Or if you're going to keep it, same thing, you got to have a vision and the right team. And I was really thought it was fascinating that like, hey, how do, how do you look at them all? And he was said, have a cup of coffee at the local Dunkin' Donuts, right? And, and what he's saying by that is like, who's walking in and who's walking out? Is this soccer moms? Is this professionals? Is this, you know, blue collar? Like, what is this market? That's really, really saying, understand mm-hmm. the market. Yeah, right. The second part really surprised me when he said, meet with the city. You know, I... I, in all the deals I've done, that's not been a lead thing for me just because the nature of the work I've done. But to hear him say like, number one, know who the people are. Number two, meet with the city. That's a very unique mall thing, like mm-hmm. mall experience. And so, um, and a lot of times I think developers, real estate leaders don't think that way, but he's saying the government um, advocacy relations is critical when you're talking about big, complicated mall deals. So that was pretty interesting, right? It sounds like it would be such a, a study to find out uh, the implications of the size of a market yeah. on a mall versus a smaller town, yeah. having a mall, I'm sure that weighs in as well. Sure. And if you're in a, in a rural area, but you have this big property and then, you know, you got to work as a team, right? Um, you've got to work as a team. You got to, it may be the mayor you know, being with you, flying to the uh, the headquarters of some company, helping you recruit. So it really needs to make partnerships to make that happen. So all that was amazing. And then you move over into... Uh, here's a guy who's been in the industry 35 years, a major leader. I mean, I'm telling you, like when I go to conferences and I see Barney, Barney's talking to the top tier. I mean, the top tier, whether it's the CEO of, you know, Macy's or Dillard's, or it's the CEO of the biggest REIT in America, like he's there, he's on par. And so then here's a guy talking about that in segments over mental health, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, uh, being aware of uh, potential addiction issues and how do you, how do you talk out feelings and talk about that? And then also having awareness of race issues and investing in the future. Like what a fascinating balance Barney brought to the table, right? Yeah. You know, you think about the term mental health and we've talked about this before. It's a a relatively new meaning for an old term. I mean, uh, we have, it's not mental illness. It's, It's the condition of your life in the moment 
where things are either positive or negative and the way people respond to that. But I thought his comment was amazing about how people used to deal with it, going to a bar and just sitting down alone and, uh, you know, kind of uh, drowning their sorrows, so to speak. Medicating. You know, I told you, like, I, he, he was always amazed because he always would say that I would give people grace and be kind and try to be understanding, which, you know, I, I do feel like I try to be that person. But man, when he called me out, because I would get so angry, this, this, this real estate company, you know, I've really felt like they did me wrong. They, they, um, they asked me to help on some stuff and I did. And then they tried to steal all of my clients and all my employees. And I was like, I was just, was infuriated. I was so angry. And you would say like, it's just about, I have a level of anger, but my anger was too high. And I think it's because I, I have a passion about justice. And so I was, it was just not in a good place. And so he called me out and I really researched that and I, and I really worked on the relationship, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's boundaries. I mean, I forgive them. I <laughs> doesn't mean I totally trust them or anything, but I, but I'm doing business with them and, and I'm in a healthier place. That's right? wonderful. And yeah. so, but he had to have the wisdom to identify it and then the courage to say it. So mm. uh, another great one here uh, with Barney McCauley here at the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition and Mike, as always, thanks for being here with me. You've got it, my friend. This has been the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition with your host, John Crossman. Tune in next week for another talk with an experienced CEO that will help bring clarity to your business endeavors. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.